think about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby. We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this. There is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs. And that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry, healthy, and beautiful. And when you use Swaddler's in tandem with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, you'll keep your baby's skin healthy. The wipes are made from 100% plant-based cloth, and you won't have to worry about tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Birds are singing. The sun is out. Spring has sprung. Has your wardrobe followed suit? If not, you can get a refresh with Bombas, my favorite brand for socks, tees, and underwear that also has an amazing mission that we support wholeheartedly. Because for every incredible comfy item that I get from Bombas, they match with a donation to someone who is unhoused. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash hard things and use code hard things for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash hard things and use code hard things at checkout. To be loved, we need to be known. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to We Can Do Hard Things. This is Glennon and we've got Abby Wambach. (laughs) Abby, say hi. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to We Can Do Hard Things. That's good, babe. Meet Amanda Doyle. This is Sister. Sister, say hello to the pod squad. Hello, pod squad. How is everybody? Could everybody give me a couple words to describe how you're doing today on this day? Babe? Um, I'm doing great. I got a workout in uh, and I'm going to be going to do a driving experience at the Porsche track <gasps> in Carson, California this afternoon. And so I woke up like a little kid, me and my friend Kara are going to do it. It's been a dream of mine, my entire life to go and have an experience, like driving a real car experience. Cause we don't really have fast speedy. Spark, so you're going to race cars around in a circle. Yeah. But it's, it's not just a circle. There's tests. Like there's like a skid track. There's a G force angular part of the track. There's a speedway. Do you wear helmets? I'm sure. Yeah. Do you yeah. have to try to like park in, on a narrow street with lots of rear view mirrors? <laughs> no. Cause that's the test that I fail. No, each day. I'm, I'm exploring the power of a 911 Porsche wow. GT3. It's really exciting. Ooh, babe. she just said a bunch of letters and numbers that are impressive. Yes. I have, I'm extrapolating by inference. What happens if you wreck the car? I have insurance. And I've gotten the extra insurance. I paid 50 extra dollars to have a deductible if I were to total the car. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you. I I took care. Thank you, sister. So didn't. I didn't review any waivers. So flagging that for the record. (laughs) I did this one on my own. I think I'm going to be all right. Okay. Always get nervous when you do things on your own. (laughs) So today is an exciting pod. I think we, all three of us, are psyched about this conversation, yes, which is something that (laughs) applies to every single person on the earth because it's about personalities. What is a personality? How do we forge our personality? Are we born with it? Is it- Is Is it it Maybelline? Is it, (laughs) maybe it's Maybelline. How do we- figure out what our personality traits are and what, why do we, as people feel so desperate to figure out who we are? Why are we always doing Buzzfeed quizzes about, you know, what Disney princess we are, et cetera, et cetera. And what do we do with this information? Yes. We don't have answers. As always, we just have lots of more questions. (laughs) So if you want to know more about yourself and your people and figure out how to use that information to get along better, listen up. 
Yeah. This is like an informational tool. Yeah. Hopefully maybe it's helped me a lot. It actually has helped me a lot over the past week as we've been studying this stuff. What about you, sissy? I wouldn't say it's helped me like the (laughs) substance of the tools, but I think it's been interesting. I have learned a lot. I will say, I don't know that it's helped me a lot. Okay. That's true. Me neither. Actually, it hasn't helped me that much. Okay. (laughs) You too. Has it really helped you? Yes. Okay. Because I've been doing this for years. This is not just something I've I've explored over the last couple of weeks because of this specific podcast. This has been a big part of like my leadership and learning about myself and learning about other people and what motivates other people, what moves other people. Okay. This is kind of a big deal, especially in sport. Oh, because you have to get along with, because of team. Yeah. Team building. People. Other people. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, what do you, what do we think? What is personality? Okay. You read to us that, that, um, definition that you found, babe. This one? Yeah. Something about a person that impacts how they tend to think, feel, and behave on an ongoing basis. Right. Okay. Something about a person that impacts how they tend to think, feel, and behave on an ongoing basis. That's what I just read. Right. I just (laughs) my personality is asshole. Because I'm a teacher. It's a teacher. Repetition. I do think this is interesting though, because we think of our personalities as something that we're born with. A lot of times, but actually wouldn't the culture you live in and the family you live in and the way you grow up impact how you tend to think, feel, and behave? This is this nurture versus nature question. What do you think about that sister? Well, of course it does. I think there's a, there's a preliminary question that just, is there any such thing as a personality? Yeah. Hmm. There's this Harvard Law School grad and feminist thinker that I like called Kara Lowenthal. And she talks about how we don't have personalities. We have a collection of thoughts. Hmm. And personality tests are basically taking a survey of our unconscious, unmanaged mind. So when she's saying when you're taking a personality test, it's not revealing the kind of person you are. It's the kind of thoughts you're having. And the very idea that we're over identifying with those identities because we believe they're inherent Mm. instead of having this idea that that's just a collection of thoughts. And as you do any kind of work on yourself or even think about your thoughts as not just automatic, that then that becomes a different collection of thoughts. Interesting. So tell me if this is what you're saying. So I am a person who's worried or, or hyper aware of money. Like I have a scarcity about money, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I watch it carefully. I try not to overspend. I feel nervous that there's not going to be enough. That is a personality trait, I would say, except Mm -hmm. for if I started to go to therapy and they started retraining my brain to think there will be enough, you will be whatever, then I might over time. and, And if I found out where that came from in childhood, I might be able to retrain my brain which would change my thoughts to there is enough. I'll always be able to have enough, whatever. So does that change your personality? And then that would change if I took a personality test a couple of years later, I might not have that trait because it's actually just a thought pattern. Well, that is true. Yes. It's not like you're going to take this test and necessarily 10 years when you take the test, you'll have the same results. Right. People can be static throughout their lives or they can change a lot. And yeah, I think whether or not you believe there's such thing as a personality, even entertaining the idea that the way that you answer these questions has to do with the collection of thoughts in your brain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it seems less axiomatic. It's like, oh, these are based on thoughts. Mm -hmm. And then I can do the second step. Yes, malleable. malleable. Right. If it's not working for you and you wish to have different thoughts, then that's a second step. But I even think it's just recognizing these are thoughts. I think personalities, like the definition we read, it's something about a person that impacts how they tend to think, feel, and behave. So the idea of your personality, like the way that this Harvard professor said, is you are a bunch of thoughts. Like that is what your personality is. I think that feelings and the way that you behave are also part of that. And, and so do you think a thought and then that creates a feeling and then that creates behavior? Yes. Is that like the basis mm-hmm. of this theory? Yes. Okay. Good point. Yes. Okay. That everything yes. is, everything starts in our thoughts. I think there's not going to be enough money. And then I feel scared and then I act controlling. Okay. Thought, feeling, 
action. I, I tend to feel and then think, whoa, that's so interesting. I'm sure that there's some sort of science that's going to disprove me and sister's <laughs> going to come with it any second. Well, I mean, that's based on, I My mean, that's one of the, <laughs> in the test we're talking about, that's what thinking and feeling are one of the two dichotomies mm-hmm. that they classify people based on. When I think about these personality tests, I think it's just interesting because basically what they're doing is telling us what is your your natural predisposition, right? right? Your comfort zone, what you go to <clears throat> naturally. It doesn't mean you can't do the other thing, but there's a bunch of different reasons why you might naturally go to something. Exactly. If you were raised in a, in a volatile house, you might naturally feel more, I don't know, introverted or whatever that is, but that doesn't mean you were born that way. Exactly. Like if you think of one of the, you know, iconic tests that people are always pointing to, which is this, the Stanford marshmallow experiment, right? Where they, they brought kids in and they said, okay, here's one marshmallow. You can either eat this or if you don't eat it in 15 minutes, I'm going to come back and bring you another marshmallow. And Mm -hmm. then you'll have two marshmallows. And so based on this test, they extrapolated all of this very wide ranging data, like these kids who were able to restrain themselves from having the first marshmallow had better life outcomes, had higher SAT scores, all the life measures were higher. Mm -hmm. And so they were basically like, this is a key factor for the future. Delayed gratification, right? right? Delayed gratification. So that study is cited a bazillion times. That was based on 32 kids who are from the nursery school of Stanford University. So these are necessarily like affluent, educated people's kids. If you, it never could be duplicated with a diverse population. So if you're a kid who grows up with food scarcity, Mm -hmm. if you're a kid who grows up with um, adults who are consistently lying to you, mm. it is actually the smartest to take wise marshmallows to take the first marshmallow yeah. because yeah, you could never rely on anyone to mm-hmm. give you the second one, even if they said they would. Mm. So what I'm saying is I think that all of this is adaptive. Mm-hmm. It's adapted to our environments. It's adaptive to our trauma. Our thoughts are adaptive. Even our feelings, Abby, if you're basing your stuff on your feelings, what I'm saying is your feelings are adaptive okay. based right. on your life. I also was the one that ate the marshmallow. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations and multiple systems, the more margin you have and the more of your hard-earned money you get to keep. But with higher expenses than ever on things like materials and distribution, everything just costs more. That's why smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. You'll reduce IT costs, you'll cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you'll improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, and expenses don't slow down, so why should you? By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hard things. Netsuite.com slash hard things. That's netsuite.com slash hard things. So regardless of whether it's immutable, personality is not, we're still obsessed with figuring it out. I mean, the BuzzFeed quizzes, what character would you be? What Harry Potter house would you, <laughs> would you be? We're, we had yeah. a bunch of kids over the other day and they're making tea and they're like, okay, everybody say, what kind of tea would each person be in this? And one person was <laughs> chamomile and one person was chai. And like, what Disney princess, mm-hmm. the article about our podcast was like, are you an Abby? Are you a Glennon or are you a sister? We are so into figuring out what types of people. What is that about? I think for me, it's a couple things. Number one, I love when I read something that tells me that the way I am and all of my weird things are just like, because that's the type of person I am, not because of a bunch of inner flaws that I have to figure Mm -hmm. out that are totally personal to me and my fault. Mm -hmm. 
that's, it makes me feel comforted because I feel like, oh, this is just, this is just a way of being. This is a way of being. Yeah. This is not my personal shit. It's like you only read or go after those things when you're feeling uber confident or uber sad to confirm your bestness and to confirm your worstness. Maybe. Yeah. What do you guys think? Why do you think that we are obsessed with these things? I don't know that we'll ever know why, but we have been for only ever obsessed with it. I mean, mm-hmm. the, all of these Hippocrates, like, yes, Plato, it's ancient times. I right. mean, there was the early Greeks had their um, four temperaments. Yes. You know, One of them was talking, melancholia, right? That's yeah. mine. Yes. But <laughs> then they've done studies in the nineties that are like, what are the motivations? Why do people take these? And there are three. And one was self-assessment. It's the pursuit of self-knowledge. Mm-hmm. The second one was self-enhancement. This is significant. It's the pursuit of favorable self-knowledge. We kind of latch onto the parts of the personality that are strongest or we view as most favorable. Yeah. And the third is self-verification. It's becoming certain about things within mm. ourselves. But for me, I I didn't realize I had any of this, but then I keep going back to the brainstorming list of podcast topics that we're all like throwing around. And the one that um, everyone laughed at that I wanted to do is why do I do what I don't want to do? Yes. Why, why am I, why, why, why do I continuously do what I don't want to do in the sense of like, why am I the way I am? Yes. And it, I think it's because despite all of our advances, we remain a mystery to ourselves. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's it's and, part of the pursuit of solving the mystery of yeah. ourselves, which we will never, never do. do. Oh, that's so mm-hmm. annoying. And I just think, <laughs> I, I mean, I think I have always been a seeker, like trying to figure out more about not just the world, but myself. If I can understand myself, maybe I'll understand the world better. And I think there's something about safety in all of the these testings. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, in Untamed, you talked about how we need to like strip away from all of the labels and the conditions that we were met with. But I do think that there is a safety in labels and putting ourselves into categories that makes us understand the world better or ourselves better. Um, Yeah. I think safety is kind of a big mechanism for me as to why I've wanted to do it. And honestly, it makes sense because it's, it's not just how to see ourselves. There is an insatiable craving to be seen and understood by others. Mm -hmm. And we necessarily cannot translate who we are. We don't have language for the fullness of who we are. So when we can actually say, oh, look, this one thing, this is me. And other people say, oh, I get that it satisfies this just very existential need that we have to be seen, even if it very inartfully describes us. There's some nugget in there that we can say, this is me. And that that's a need too, I think. And we need the and both. Like I think yay to that. Mm -hmm. And also not just that, because like for me, I think about somebody who labeled herself or, or allowed herself to get labeled so early as a straight person. And so when you have an idea of who you are and you think that's immutable, you miss out on so many things. Like I feel like I probably missed out on a million, you know, relationship or whatever, all of these things that I would have had, had I not allowed myself to be labeled in that immutable way. Mm. Also, I think about thinking I was a freaking Pisces my whole life. <laughs> and then I find out that I'm an Aries. I think half my problems is probably because I was following the wrong horoscope every single day. <laughs> You know, sure. Tuesday morning. That's the main thing. If we were to go yeah. back and audit, it's yeah. definitely you were following the wrong horse. I was opening Cosmo Tuesday morning. Today's the day. Go get him. And maybe Aries said today is not the day. And that is why everything is going wrong. Absolutely do not go get them. Exactly. Well, but you know that. what I'm saying? Yes. It's like we have to be careful. Well, in Untamed, we have to be careful about the stories we tell ourselves. Like we have to hold these things very loosely. Yes. And because I think that based on all the stuff we're going to talk about today, like even like type A or type B, like in the culture that we live in, there are certain personality types that are seen as quote unquote stronger and others as quote unquote weaker. Yes. And so we have to be really careful about putting ourselves in these boxes because sometimes it takes you out of what the, the culture sees as somebody who is successful or or whatnot, like, like type A's, type and A's type and type B's or extroverted and introverted. Well, speaking of being careful, I mean, you also have to very carefully consider the source because 
in type A's and type B's, the entire concept of type A personality arose from tens of millions of dollars of tobacco industry funding dating from the 1950s through 1997. So it's ongoing. And the whole purpose of those studies was to popularize the lie that personality, i.e. stressed out type A's, was the reason that folks were getting cancer and heart disease. No. So what? <laughs> yes. All of that. So so they it's basically so all of the money went into the studies to try to create this causal connection between personality so that cigarettes and cancer were just basically a symptom of the stress that type A's had. Okay. So you're saying that the study said, because what they needed it to say was mm-hmm. that Type A people are just uptight and so they have to smoke. But that's that's not, it's just the type A-ness that's causing it. Type A people are predisposed to, because they are so stressed out, are predisposed to getting cancer and getting coronary heart disease. Incidentally, because they're so stressed out, they are also smoking cigarettes. Yeah, it's yes. not but because there of is smoking. no right, causal link between <clears throat> the cigarettes and the <laughs> and the cancer. Oh so I mean, God. tens of millions Bastards. of dollars. And now, how many people have identified themselves or others, including myself, with absolute certainty about Type A's? Right. But that all came out of a a very clear intention to nefarious motives shield yeah, yeah. to shield nefarious the tobacco motives. industry i Jesus think about that all the time with drinking it's like oh there's those people who are broken as opposed mm-hmm. to like the actual concept of alcohol being fucked mm. up okay um all right so while we are going to hold all of this loosely because we are going mm-hmm. to be very careful about the stories we tell about ourselves it's still fun yeah. and cool yeah. to do these tests figure out some stuff, figure out a little bit of why we are the way we are, and also learn about our people. Mm -hmm. Because what I find is, like when we did this test, we we were talking about the Myers-Briggs test today. And when you did your test and I read all of your stuff, this thing happens where I'm like, oh, I can stop taking that thing she does personally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's something that I think is really interesting. It helps you take what other people do less personally, which- takes the charge out of, well, that's what understanding does, Yeah, I guess, when we understand right. each other a little bit. But it's interesting because I think we talked a little bit about this, that when you look at your own personal results, it's harder to take that less personally, like the criticisms that we have on ourselves. Like when I read your results, I'm like, wow, this is so informative and I'm going to use this in the next time we have an argument or in my daily life with you. But when I look at my results, I'm like, oh, did you not see yourself in them? No, I did. I guess I like when I see my results, I only look at the things that annoy me the most about myself. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's so annoying. I mean, hmm. it reminds me of I was reading Jessica uh, Kantrowitz's new poem yesterday. And the first line was just because I'm overwhelmed doesn't mean you're too much. And that to me is a, mm. a great example of what these tests do. It's huh. like end both like I can be overwhelmed and this cannot be good for me. And you are not too much. You are yeah. just right for yeah. you. But wow. but the interaction of our personalities at this moment means a new thing. Yeah. I yeah. There's that. a chemical reaction, like an energetic mm-hmm. chemical reaction that happens between two people that is not necessarily my fault, not necessarily your fault. It's just that moment. Yeah. Okay. Well, the, the Myers-Briggs, okay. Developed most popular personality test in the world. Two million people take it a year. Made by two people, two women, and a mother and a daughter. A mother and a daughter. And the New Yorker article I read, one of them said that they did it to make people less unhappy. Which I was like, okay, that's good. That's kind of like right in line with what we're trying to do with this podcast. It won't fix you. It just will make you less unhappy. They basically took Carl Jung's uh, theories of personalities. He's the one who came up with introvert and extrovert and a bunch of other stuff. He also is very very problematic for a lot of reasons, mm-hmm. but he, um, they basically wanted to take his research and find an easier way for people to be using it in their everyday lives. So mm-hmm. they spent years on, on this. And some people think it's nonsense and some people live by it and that's great.
There's a lot of subscription-based stuff nowadays, which is great. You might get one as a gift. You might really want to try something during a trial period. You might even make the occasional impulse buy. But what happens when you forget you signed up for this platform or need to cancel after the trial period on the platform? For me, I can never even find where I signed up to begin with. It gets overwhelming, but Rocket Money is here to help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of 500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash hard things. That's rocketmoney.com slash hard things. Rocketmoney.com slash hard things. I think it's important to talk about it's used all over the place. I mean, it's 88% of companies use this in their hiring and their trainings, and it's used in um, universities and churches in the military Hmm. and all of that. We should say like any value of this test and understanding each other is great, but it also should, in my opinion, absolutely not be used in hiring decisions, in university Mm -hmm. acceptance decisions. There was a recent lawsuit by an Asian American group against Harvard because they use this, this very specific personality test in their admissions process where Asian Americans were routinely rated lower on things like positive personality and courage and likability Hmm. and being widely respected. So there's inherently all kinds of class-based, gender-based, race-based biases Hmm. in the interpretation of this data. So yeah, that makes sense. Not for that purpose, please, world. Okay, great. And other things, you know, like it's self-reporting. So you're answering mm-hmm. your own questions about yourself. So self-deception is always, you yeah. know, a factor. How <laughs> honest are you? In reporting your own self. And also the Myers-Briggs is largely based on on binaries, right? It's like, mm-hmm. are you this or that? Are you this or that? And that's the challenge that I have with the test. Oh God. You two know I'm Sitting personally- next to Glenn and taking this test. She's like, what do you think I am? Well, nobody's one thing or the other <laughs> thing. Like, I feel like we're all the things on before 10 a.m. on Tuesday. So anyway, the binary of it, this or that is, is challenging. Um, but it's based on- four and five now, five areas that are kind of like more, they're, they call them traits. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they could be seen as habits or ways, ways we lean one way or another. The first one is, are you introverted or extroverted? Okay. Now we know that most people are ambiverted, right? Or both, but is that a word? Ambiverted. It's true. Where did you make that up? No, no, that's a real word. Actually, now, now, now you're making me doubt it. I don't know. Maybe I made it up. Oh. I feel like it's a word. I love this. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. If it's not, it should be. But, we're making right. it. Um, so introverted or extroverted. We're going to tell, Pod Squad, we're going to tell you what all of these categories are so you can figure out kind of where you land in this. The test gives you a bunch of questions to decide whether on any given day you lean more towards introverted or extroverted. Our definition of that is do you feel more energized and comfortable turning towards your inner world or your outer world. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like that. Do you feel more energized or comfortable? Because people usually just say energized, but yeah. actually I don't always want to be energized. Sometimes I'm just going to my comfortable, safe, cozy place. Yeah. The other ways that it's described is, you know, what feels like the real world to you? Does the real world feel like the outside world or your inside world? And, huh. you know, where do you make sense of the world? Do you make sense of it on the outside or do you make sense of it on the inside? Hmm. Okay. Oh, I like, I love that. So introverts would turn towards their inner world more. Emotionally, they'd value their own thoughts and decisions more. They tend to enjoy deep and meaningful social interaction and their recharge comes from spending time alone where extroverts enjoy focusing on the world around them. Mm -hmm. They tend to be action-oriented, feel energized by social interactions. And this outward-facing view does tend to make them more collaborative. Mm -hmm. So we all tested, you will be stunned to know, I tested 80% introvert. I couldn't believe there was 20% extrovert in me. I always love the introvert extrovert thing because I think a lot of introverts end up feeling like there's something wrong with them 
because our world is so focused, kind of built for extroversion. Mm-hmm. It's celebrated in, in our culture. Right. And I think what, what introverts end up feeling or the line on us is that we don't like people. Mm-hmm. So introverts are like curmudgeon mean. Or you're shy. Cold, yep. shy. Weak. Right. These, unapproachable. Yes. Yeah. Weak. Yep. Unable to handle. Yep. These the, are words that are incorrect. They're just so incorrect. They're incorrect. Yeah. I mean, to my, all my introverts out there, I think about when I was little and I used to, I remember when mom grounded me outside. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would get grounded like you have to go outside. You're grounded for three days. And that means you have to go outside after school every day and do what God knows what with all those people, you know, or we'd go to a babysitter and I would just want to sit inside and read after school day. Like, yeah. and then, and we'd have to go outside and play. Yeah. Play. What the yeah. hell is that? You know, I think about people who take a lot of baths and we think, oh, we just love water. Like, no, the bath is the only socially acceptable place in a home where people will give you alone time. Mm -hmm. You can be like, I'm taking a bath. And that means it's your only excuse to be alone. Or, you know, I think of a party. You want to go to a party, babe. To me, a party, if I go to a party, it's I am doing my own exposure therapy. (laughs) That is what a party is to me. It's an attempt to be less agitated by an outer world situation. What did you all get for yours? You're, you got- I'm 60% extroverted, ironically. Isn't that so interesting? Only 60. Yeah. I've gotten less and less um, extroverted as I've gotten older. And I think that our lifestyle now, I think COVID really helped me settle into like, learn more about my internal world and spend more time alone. I think that the older I get, the more to the middle I become on all of these tests. Hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah, that was with my issue with it too, Abby, is the, is the binary idea because I, I got extroverted, but I got 51% extroverted oh, wow. and on any ah. given day. It'll be like 49, 51 the other way. And that's the part that I am just like that. That is very imprecise because mm-hmm. it's like saying there's tall people and there's short people. <laughs> so if you are five, seven and a half, you're tall. Uh-huh. And if you're below that, you're short. So, so the five, seven and a half people are tall. And so are the six, five people. Mm-hmm. It's saying that the five, seven and a half and six, five are the same. And they're not just like if you're 51% or you're 90%, you're the same. Yeah. And so for me, that is just one of the very imprecise parts about it. And I think people who know me not well might be surprised that I have that much of an introvert in me. Hmm. And this goes with the over-identification with an identity. If you're just assumed to be a certain personality, you think something's wrong with you Yes, when you're not complying or not feeling healthful with that identity. So I do need time with people. And I also need a lot of time without people And unless I knew that I was so closely matched on both sides, I might think what's wrong with you that you need to be alone during this time, you know, especially because so many people would label you as an extrovert. I mean, I used to think that I was a hundred percent extroverted and I think it's just because I was so scared and maybe afraid of myself. Like, I think I was so scared to be alone, Mm -hmm. be by myself, like, any ex of mine would be like, yes, 100% extrovert, scared to be alone. Mm. And I think ever since I met you, I have not just watched you and your introversion and self-awareness. And I don't know, it, you've given me the confidence to be by myself. I, I think it's your sobriety that's given you the confidence yes, to be that, by yourself. That's I don't think it's me. I well, think I it's, think both. I think it's like when your inner world is at peace yeah. because it's not full of you know, shame and all of those uncomfortable things, it becomes much more comfortable to be with yourself and be at peace. You also like to be alone. So I have to like get good. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Again, I feel that it's adaptive. Yeah. I've been telling you. That's right. That's good. I mean, you know, and I think to all of my introverted friends, it affects everything. It affects family life. Like I will. So how often is the whole family inside like being together and I will be outside on the deck reading and I'll always feel guilty. I'll look mm-hmm. in and be like, aren't I supposed to be 
You do? Yeah, I do. A lot <gasps> of times I look that. at it and I'm like, I should want to go in there. And those are the people I love the most. Yeah. And I also think the introverted extroverted thing shows up in the way we are in the world in practical ways. For example, my sometimes what would be perceived as spaciness getting lost all the time in the car or just like wandering into rooms and not knowing why I'm there or leaving my coffee mug in the dryer Mm -hmm. or finding my phone in the refrigerator, like all of these things. I actually think that's completely tied to introversion, extroversion in terms of where I'm turning is my internal world. I might be walking around the place, but I'm like sleepwalking because I'm Mm -hmm. inside myself. It's because we actually were more present on our inside than our outside world. So Mm -hmm. we're in the outside world. We're like running into walls more. It makes me, it makes me feel a little sad that you feel guilty because if you were to come inside and be with the family, you would probably not feel a kind of inner peace and you would do or say or be away in that family environment that actually made you feel bad because you would be, right. you know, so it's like, do you, will you ever feel that, that peace about being this introvert? Because you're always like on the outside in some I ways. I should be being a different way. Yeah. I don't, I hate that. I hate that for you. It's hard to find a great mentor who can help me level up. My dream mentor, Stephen Curry, Simone Biles, episode 38. I was really excited that they have a class on Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. And you can access Masterclass on your phone, computer, or even in audio mode. If you want to improve your physical and mental well-being, or if you want to build stronger relationships with renowned psychotherapist Esther Perel, go to Masterclass. Esther Perel's class has really been helping me build stronger relationships, and my friend Robin Roberts' class is helping me really expand my communication skills on the podcast and also in life. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash hard things. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash hard things. I think about the story Brene told where she actually told her little boy that she couldn't go to his school event because she was too tired and she just needed some alone time. Yeah. She's an introvert. And she felt so guilty because she's violating the mom roles. And then later her little boy came and said, I'm, I didn't know we could do that. I sometimes don't want to be, to go to the things. I sometimes need time alone, but he had never seen introversion positively modeled as okay, even when it butts Mm -hmm. up against cultural expectations. And so in, in saying what she needed, she freed him. Mm -hmm. And I think about, you know, this weekend we had a friend who wanted to come over and I love this friend, but I was tapped out. And I, I, the second she called and said she wanted to stop over, I started to feel truly, it's so weird, like clenchy and like angry, mm-hmm. close to angry. An introvert can feel like somebody else is taking the time we need. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. almost like you only have enough food mm-hmm. and somebody's taking that food from you and you know, you need that food to be nourished and to feel peaceful and to carry on. And somebody's going to take it from you. But then I remember, I only feel angry when I've given away my power. So I said, I really want to see you, but I can only see you for a half an hour. I'm just tired and I need this time. And please allow me to just say what I need. And she was like, yes. Like she was so wonderful about it. Came over for half an hour. Because, and like for introverts, we really need those, that structure. The boundaries, because yeah. we do want to have friends just as much as everybody else. That's mm-hmm. the thing. I cut out people from my life for a very long time. Not yeah. because I didn't want people, but because there were no structure. So it felt all or nothing to me. Mm. Yeah, that has been my experience. And I think that that is a really like varsity level (laughs) understanding because it is much easier just to like 
sulk away and hide than it is to say, I want and need you in my life. And also I have this other set of needs that means that it only works for me under these parameters. Mm -hmm. And so disappearing, which I've done a lot, is easier than having the courage to acknowledge that you are going to ask to both have that person and have that person under the conditions that work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's great that you were able to do that. And I do think that that it would probably work a lot better for a lot of people if, if they were able to. Because d- when you invite someone into your house, shouldn't you be able to like decide how and when and for how long? If that's what you need for yeah. during yeah. that time. Yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes you might want it open-ended. The second uh, criteria that they base on is either sensory or intuitive. So sensing people uh, tend to take in information through their senses. That's how they got that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they focus on here and now. They trust in the certain and the concrete. They value realism and common sense. They present information in a step-by-step uh, fashion, work well with details. Okay. Intuitive people are future-focused, trust inspiration and inference, value imagination and innovation. They are bored easily after getting really good at tasks. They present information through leaps in a roundabout manner, um, and they tend to be general and figurative. Mm -hmm. So that's the dichotomy we're working with there. Okay. I want to tell a story to like get to what Abby and I have decided this category is about. Okay. Can you guess which category she is? Because in describing this category, she'd like to tell a story. (laughs) Right. Okay. Yeah. Your whole list thing sounds like Charlie Brown. Lists do to me that. Here's a story. Okay, so we're, Abby and I are on a little vacation in the desert. We walk, we're walking. We approach this cactus. This cactus is so gorgeous. And so we stand, I stand in front of the cactus and stare at it for a little while. Abby comes and humors me by standing next to me and staring at the cactus. Okay. We're on a couple's retreat. Abby says to me, Okay, what are you thinking? After like five minutes, I turn to her and I say, I am looking at this cactus and thinking about how much this is exactly like people, like people who do not have enough water and food in the soil of their lives. They end up having to grow prickly. And then everyone thinks they're prickly and mean, but really they had to grow these spikes in order to defend themselves against not having enough nutrients in their soil. (laughs) Prickly people are that way because of their environment. And I said, what are you thinking when you look at this cactus? And Abby said, I'm thinking, look, a cactus. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So to me, that is the different one, one example of the difference between an intuitive thinker and an observant thinker. And one would think that the intuitive thinker is like deeper and like whatever, but actually most spiritual guides try to get us to the observant place because when, when Abby's looking at something, she's actually seeing what it is. Mm -hmm. She is seeing it for what it is, a person, a place, a moment. She's seeing all the actual beauty and cactusness of the cactus. I am looking at it thinking I can make this shit better. <laughs> and yeah, just, yeah, that's true. That's right. Real. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. what's the truest, most beautiful cactus I can imagine. It's not this one. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what this means. Like it's taking up, there's beautiful parts of both, right? right. Writers, poets were probably intuitive. Um, but I think sort of looking at something and seeing for it for what it could be mm-hmm. can make for a beautiful activist can make for a beautiful, but also probably makes for a pretty hard partner. No, because I'm always trying to change people. No, or, you make it interesting. Okay. Are you kidding me? Sitting there looking at that cactus. I was bored out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and when you went into your story, I was less bored. I was just standing there next to you wondering when is this going to end? That's why I asked you what you're thinking. I knew you'd make it better. So, and I think that's probably why we work so well together. You know, Mm. you 
might want to see things maybe in some ways just for how they are and what they are giving you in that moment, not for what you can make it give you. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about this category, Sissy? It's like the practical doer versus the like imaginative dreamer, right? Mm -hmm. Which we need all, maybe? Yeah. I think we need all. I think this is where it probably works well in teams to be able to identify the values because I think you could easily see how the practical person on a even a work or a family team could begin to resent the imaginative person yeah, and vice versa saying, you know, I'm building this thing. Um, but really you need, you need the person who's at the 10,000 feet and you need the person in the weeds without either one, you're not building much. So yes. Do you I know think what? it's great. I was hiking with Chase recently and I'm walking. You've used the- this story like 10 times. No, I think you just really want to convince everyone you're going hiking a lot. This is a different, just once, this folks. is a different noticing on the hike. I, have, I had a lot of spiritual discoveries <laughs> on that short hike. Okay. I was hiking and I was like, I couldn't figure out whether to look right in front of me so that I didn't trip or look way ahead of me so I could see everything beautiful. Interesting. But I couldn't freaking figure it out. Like, do I keep looking down and miss all of the beautiful things or do I look up and fall on my ass? And mm-hmm. that- And I never feel- get to the beautiful things because I've broken my ankle falling exactly. on my ass. Exactly. Yeah. What did you fall on? Like, what did you land on? Well, well, no, I mean, I just kept looking up and down. And honestly, that makes your person a little bit dizzy. <laughs> So I thought is anyway, I'm like so retroactively nervous that you've fallen down this this mountain. You're here. You're alive. It's all good. It's something and both. It's something and and both. both. Y'all, we have loved this conversation so much that we are going to continue it into the next episode. So let's stop there. Maybe your next right thing could be to go take one of these tests. Yes. So that when you come back to the next episode, um, it will mean more to you. So find it somewhere on the web. We used 16personalities.com. We have no connection with them. We're not vouching for them. 16personalities.com. Take it, come back, be with us next time. And we will um, continue to try to figure out the mystery of who the hell we are. (laughs) See you then. I give you Tish Melton and Brandy Carlisle. other side I chased desire I made sure I got what's mine and I continue to We're adventurers and
We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Especially be sure to rate and review the podcast if you really liked it. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's fine.